play shows for five. Hey, can I get a ticket to 300 strong like the Battle of Thermopylae? Ain't no stopping me on my way up the mountain. A lot of anger in my life, a days I spent pouting. Venturing up and found a penny fountain in the street. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of Ope Sports with Jordan Adams. And again, we have a co-host with us, Andrew. Welcome to the show and how have you been? I have been good. Sorry to miss out on the past couple weeks of uh, the podcast, but uh, life takes over and here I am now. Well, three of my audience members have spoken and they have cried because you weren't here. So you're letting them down, man. Real tears, real tears. I'm going to have to do better. I'm sorry, three <laughs> audience members. And they will—they asked to be remain nameless. Because, well, they're real. Okay. Um, and so let's just start with some NBA news. Uh, this is fresh stuff. Draymond Green has been suspended indefinitely. If you don't know who Draymond Green is, he is the MMA fighter of the NBA. He uh, swings and fights and chokes anyone he can. Um, a few weeks ago, he attacked uh, Rudy Gobert, choking him uh, when the Timberwolves played. I'm sure Minnesota fans will remember that one. Um, and now, last night, against the Phoenix Suns, he took a hard right swing at Yusuf Nurkic and absolutely nailed him square in the head. Um... Yeah, it's kind of, it's actually a little funny, but um, it's basketball and not boxing or MMA. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? We just watched the video. I just find it super funny that it looked like he tried to flop his way out of it. Like, like he tripped over him, like make it look like he tripped over himself or something like that. Yeah. But nah, he just full on, he looked back at uh, Yusuf, Joseph, uh, and actively swung at his face yeah yeah um <laughs> it's a pretty brutal hit it's uh it's pretty funny it, it is really funny actually um i i feel like nurkic had a quote afterwards where he said something about like you know that the dude clearly needs help after this um and I have to agree. I mean, I feel like he does have a... He, he could box or something after this as a celebrity boxer for a couple years post-NBA career. I mean, this is starting to get ridiculous, though. He's getting flagrants left and right, um, now suspended indefinitely. I mean, th this is a guy who's had issues throughout his career, and now I feel like his skill level is diminishing as he ages, and he's, you know, losing his temper a little easier now. But you're right, it was clearly trying to flop and acting like it was an accident. It reminds me a lot of Nadamakin Sue a few years ago when I believe it was Aaron Rodgers when he took like a few stomps on him. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was Rodgers. Uh, I know no, it was Sue. No, it was against the Packers, but it was their center. Okay. At the time. Okay. Yeah, he stomped yeah. his uh, thigh a couple times and tried to act like it was yeah, a trip. Yeah, because I remember in the post-game interview, he said, well, I tripped and I was trying to regain my balance. And, you know, it's funny if you watch the video that he's actively stomping on someone. Now, I'd like our audience members to take their foot and stomp and ask how that means you're tripping when you do it repeatedly. I mean... It's a hilarious excuse, and clearly no one bought it, but... Yeah. I will say I am happy that uh, Nadamakan Su uh, cleaned up his game a lot over the past few years. He went from dirtiest player in the NFL to just another solid nose tackle pretty quick. 
I'm not. That was hilarious. That was that might have been the funniest thing I've ever seen in football. <laughs> I mean, it's you know a minor thing, but I remember it ten years later, like it was yesterday. It was just it sticks with me. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Draymond Green. Things aren't looking good there uh, with the declining play of Clay Thompson as well in uh, Golden State. But let's get on to NFL news. Um, We'll start off with kicker Robbie Gold officially announces his retirement. Uh, this is a guy who in the playoffs went 29 for 29 field goals, 39 for 39 extra points. Absolute perfection. Uh, he played for the Bears, the Giants, and the 49ers. Um, and he was a 2006 Pro Bowler and a 2006 First Team All-Pro member. Over his career, he hit 447 field goals out of 517 and 620 extra points out of 636. Andrew, do you think Gold has a chance at the Hall of Fame? No, not really. Uh, maybe whatever hall the Bears have, he might get inducted into there. Uh, like their Ring of Honor? Like, yeah, yeah, whatever their Ring of Honor is, if it is Ring of Honor. Um. But outside of that, I mean, I don't think he ever really made a lasting impact at any point uh, throughout his career on, like, playoff implications or anything like that. I mean, hell, that could be the reason his uh, career percentage rates are so high is because he played with the Bears with nothing to lose most of the time. I mean, the Bears, though, like, that is the Windy City, and they have a notoriously hard field to kick in. So, to me, I feel like that kind of... uh makes his career kicking a little more impressive. Um, but then, you know, like I said, he was perfection in the playoffs, but, you know, he was on the Bears for so many years, and, I mean, I don't remember exactly when he was on the Giants, but granted, it's probably not that successful, whereas his 49er stint, we... I mean, obviously, as Vikings fans, we remember his time from the Bears, but from recent success, I feel like we remember his name on the 49ers as where he spent the latter part of his career. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I feel like he's a solid kicker, and like you said, he could make a ring of honor, but, um, you know, you, you need, I, I don't necessarily think you need a Super Bowl, but if you're going to be a borderline fringe player, you most certainly do. Like, there's only guys like, you know, Adrian Peterson. He doesn't need a Hall or a, a Super Bowl to be a Hall of Famer. But yeah. someone like, um, well, Gould, you know, he, he probably needs a few to pad that down. He only has one Pro Bowl selection and one All-Pro selection. So that means he was only, you know, a top-tier kicker in the NFL for one single season. And to be a Hall of Famer, I feel like, you know, you got to dominate for five plus years at least as a top premier player at your position i would even say justin tucker isn't making the hall of fame if it wasn't for the uh super bowl because i'm pretty sure justin tucker was on the Ravens super bowl yeah i'm pretty i mean i think he came in the same year that blair walsh came in or their year before it was right around that mm. time um and that was 2012 yeah. so I think the Ravens won one since then, didn't they, with Flack? Or was that right before? No, if uh, if he came into the league the same season as Blair Walsh, that would have been uh, 2014, 2015. Are you sure? Because I, I feel like he came in with Khalil, and Khalil was 2012. 2015 was when Barr... Or no, Barr was 2014. 
Damn, I'm trying to remember 2015. Because 2013 was the year we got Cordero Patterson, Xavier Rhodes, and uh, Sharif Floyd. And then 2014 was the year we got Bridgewater and Waynes, was it? Or Barr? I think it was Barr that year then. Because 2012 was the year we got Smith and Khalil. So I'm pretty sure we did get Walsh in 2012. Mm. I really feel like we did. Fair enough. Uh I, I yeah. but Tucker, I don't. I just anyway. know he's in that vicinity. Yeah. So I mean, if he has a ring, then he gets it. You know what I mean? Like if if he has a ring, then he gets in. But even with his current stats and how he's currently performing, like I still don't think if uh, even if he does this for another ten years or something like that, I still don't think that he gets in if it's not for that Super Bowl ring. I think like kickers are just in that uh, level where they just need. A Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a kicker, you're right. You probably need the suit, like you know, in other positions, maybe not. But I mean, I don't know if a kicker got ten All Pros. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I could see maybe not being an a you know a first ballot Hall of Famer because it's a kicker. It's not a sexy position, but like, eventually there has to be a good kicker in there. But I feel like there there is a good kicker, if I'm remembering, who has some accolades who's not in the Hall of Fame. Or maybe it's a punter. Punter, I think I believe is what you're Ray talking about. Ray Guy, I believe. Ray Guy, yeah, he's yes. a punter. Yes, so, I mean, and he's like one of the best all-time at his position. And, yeah, I get it, punter. But, honestly, even though it's not a sexy position, punter is an extremely important position because field possession and you know where you, where you start that is important in the game and managing that a guy that can pin you and you know use the wind and nail you in a spot have a good hang time so his guys can get there that is one of the most effective players on the field i mean especially with uh this vikings game we'll talk about later you need a good punter in that game or you're not gonna win because that's like what you were doing 99 percent of the time right <laughs> when you punt Seven times in a game, something like that. Uh, yeah, you need a good one for sure. And luckily, Wright is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's he, he just seems to be really good. He knows how to aim right, and he's the same um, level, like, bulkness. Uh, well, not bulk. He's not as built, but he's the same uh, height and weight as uh, Derrick Henry, which yeah. is crazy to me because Derrick Henry will, like, storm through your best defenders, and that's our punter. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need to use him more. <laughs> um. And then uh, let's get into uh, Brazil will host a 2024 NFL regular season game. Um, kind of weird that Brazil does it, I. but, you know, whatever. Uh, to me, I think that was the point of the 17th game. Um, the Every team will have an international game. That's what I think will happen. You'll have eight home games, eight away games, and then there's that one game at a neutral site at another country. To me, that's fair. Because I think when, you know, the games were in London and the Vikings have a home game in London, that's bullcrap. That's taking revenue away from the city from, you know, and it's taking away an opportunity for us to enjoy the game. Also, it clearly takes away home field advantage. Home or away game in London, it doesn't matter if it's if the fans want to root for us or not. So Unless you're the Jags. They do have a bit of home field advantage in London yeah, at this point. Yeah the, yeah, the Jags do, but but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I just feel like... It was just unfair because it, it, but it depends, you know, teams like Jacksonville don't have a high audience at one point. Now they more so do, but, yeah. um, teams that aren't, you know, selling well, I see having more games out there, but I think having one game 
in another country for each team is awesome. And I think that kind of helps with the situation of, oh, a team needs to be placed in London or a team needs a place here. I just think it doesn't make sense logically. Like, your home arena's in London. Great. You have eight games over there. Then you're coming over to the United States half of the year for maybe two weeks at a time or a week, readjusting your sleep schedule. And you're also going to have like a different, you know, uh, currency type there. You drive on the dang other side of the road. I mean, everything is different. Like your kids are going to have to go through a different education system. What if you get traded? What if you get let go? I mean, I think it's a lot different than being cut by the Minnesota Vikings or the Los Angeles Rams than the London not have Americas. <laughs> London unpatriotics. <laughs> it's just to me it just doesn't make sense. Like it's it's fine and it, it's fun if you want to have fans over there, but I just don't think a permanent team, unless you have like an entire division over there, it just seems impossible. And this, to me, is the perfect balance of that, because then you can still have fans around the world that can enjoy their teams, um, because they're all rotating and coming through. And it also, you know, doesn't give a disadvantage or an advantage to any specific team, because they all have to go on the road for the year anyway. And because that was also a thing that's unfair. If you have seven home games and eight away games, well, technically nine, because you're playing in London, that's, you know, an extra game where you have a little unfair advantage and some other team that's maybe better in home field advantage could get into the playoffs over you. So that's what I think. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on uh, Brazil being able to host an NFL game? So this is the first I am hearing about the Brazil thing. This is Uh, today. Just announced today. Nice. Uh, I will say their stadiums, every time they've been, like, featured in terms of, uh, like national or world bro- worldwide broadcasts their stadiums seem to be just beautiful in my mind uh so that'd be cool to see um i just don't know how much a brazil would take to american football it'd be kind of like if uh we went over to australia and then they're looking at it like what is this we have rugby here or crikey what is that right. <laughs> right right but i don't know um i mean obviously they've done a lot more research into it than i have they they have they know brazil better than i do so yeah i I mean you know brazil's beautiful they have you know stadiums um food culture women dead bodies floating in the rivers Uh, it's all good yeah yeah. (laughs) um and now um patriots may be parting ways with bill belichick this off season andrew is this the right move uh, yes, yes, and it's because Bill Belichick is just from a different era, and it had been time for him to move on for a while, I'm sure, and Brady just kind of covered that up, in my honest opinion. Having, like, the leader of the team be uh, behind the coach on what may be non-traditional, uh, coaching methods nowadays really allows for those non-traditional coaching methods to work well, especially if it's someone like Brady, who was arguably the GOAT at his position. Uh, and the only reason it was arguable is because it came down to who was who, who was better, Bill Belichick or Brady. Um, I think it's 
best for them to move on, let Bill Belichick retire and go into the sunset? I don't think he will. He will always have some sort of football thing in him. Uh, He might even take on another head coaching role or something like that. I don't agree with anyone that would hire him personally, but... You know, could be. You never really know what's coming up. I personally think, though, it is time for them to move on. But I don't want to see him fired. He needs to go out on his own. Yeah, and um, clearly, you know, that debate on Belichick or Brady, who is better, Brady proved it. You know, he went to Tampa Bay, competed every single year he was there. Even his bad years, I don't think you can really fault him. He was playing well. But, um, and Belichick... I mean, hey, I get it. He had Mac Jones a few years, but you know, he somehow made the Pro Bowl. Okay, he he made a he has a Pro Bowl appearance. Mac Jones made the Pro Bowl. Like at least twenty quarterbacks had to have declined. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, I feel for him. That's that's quite a downgrade, Tom Brady to Mac Jones. That's that has to be tough. I mean, seriously, as a fan base that won for twenty years. Mac Jones is your starting quarter. Let that sink in. I mean, that's that's rough. And then he had his little stint with Cam Newton. I think that was kind of uh, telling on what Bill Belichick was going to be like in the future, you know, looking back at it. I think you kind of wanted to say, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt at the time, like, well, Cam Newton's been a little washed since that, that MVP season. He was so great. Then he didn't die for that football, that fumble in the Super Bowl. And since then just hasn't been the same that game he hasn't been the same so i'm gonna blame this on newton maybe we should have been pointing the finger at belichick yeah (laughs) um and then i was gonna ask you know what do you think belichick's future is but you already sort of answered that so oh good um but i think for sure you're right it would be a crime to fire the man and, and and how long has it been since brady left four or five years not too long just about four or five yeah so I get that's that's a while and that's I think that's a good time if you hire a GM and a coach and you give them time to rebuild a team and they haven't done it in four or five years you, you probably you're done you probably part ways unless there's been just an unspeakable amount of injuries and bad I mean there has to be some extraneous circumstance but that hasn't happened there and I'd maybe give him a little more leeway because of all those years but I think you're right he's out of a different era groovy baby um but it would it would just hurt that he's fired but i i, I see him going somewhere else at least but yeah. what would be nice is if he said let me fall back and help the team and do a positional coach or a coordinator position or something because i don't think it'll work out as a head coach anymore yeah i don't think so either yeah uh you could see it in that video post game after uh the steelers win uh or no not after the win over the Steelers, Bailey Zappi going up to Bill Bryan and dabbing him up, doing the whole, like, hey, yeah, what a game, man. And then he sees Bill Belichick and immediately, like, he caught, you're like, mm-hmm. good good game, sir. <laughs> Shakes his hand and everything. It's like they act, they they have to act so different around him because of that old mentality. Or maybe Bill O'Brien's going to be their new head coach. Things worked very well there in Houston, so I think uh, the Patriots will have another great five years in store. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fair, though. If you have 20 great years, you should be miserable for 10. I, that's fair. 
That's fair. Especially 20 of the best years in yeah. NFL history, without a doubt. I mean, look at us. We're still fans. We've been miserable for 60. Like, <laughs> and I, I've been miserable 35 years before I was born. That's that's some crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, and then let's get into some injury news. Uh, Bears defensive end Yannick Nagakwe broke his ankle versus the Lions out for season. Played 13 games and started all of them. Recorded 22 tackles and four sacks this season. Um, the loss, it probably hurts a lot less since they got uh, Montez Sweat in. But um, still, it's not pretty to lose a defensive end like that. Uh, I remember he was pretty effective the two or three games he was here in Minnesota before Spielman flipped him for a worse draft pick. It was such a stupid... But whatever, you know, it is that's the past, I guess. Yeah. Um but yeah, that uh it's unfortunate that this happens after we play the Bears twice. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially cuz the main reason we lost was because that defensive line ate our offensive line for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Yeah, things weren't looking good and you know, we'll we'll talk about it later a little, but the the Bears they're fighting for a playoff spot, right. okay? They're fighting for a playoff spot. Hell, the Arizona Cardinals are fighting for a playoff spot, technically. So, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. The Bears is, are a little bit more realistic, though. It could actually happen that the NFC North sends three teams all garbage to the playoffs. Oh, we got to send four, man. We well, got four. No, we're, we're going to knock the Eagles out. They're going to lose out, and the Bears, Packers, and Vikings are going to take over. <laughs> It'd be so dumb. <laughs> but um, And then we have another big uh, injury news. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert needs season-ending surgery on his right index finger. Again, he played 13 games, started them all, had 65.1% completion over the season, 3,134 yards, 20 touchdowns, Touchdown, seven interceptions, add 228 rush yards, three rushing touchdowns, and four fumbles. A solid season for Herbert, but the Chargers season as a whole has been nothing short of a catastrophe. Um, you lose Mike Williams, that hurts. Uh, Keenan Allen's been... Uh, he's been extremely productive this season. He's been great. Uh, great number one receiver. Quentin Johnston, he's been pretty much a ghost. I believe he had a big play this last week, though, which is good for him. I'm glad he did something because I, I did like him coming out of college. But um, things just aren't working well there, and I think it's best that he's just done and you just be done with this year. And I think you need to look at a new head coach probably. Oh, yeah. And... Bosa, I'd be done with him. I'd be done with Joey Bosa. I I think he gets hurt all the time, and he's the roster is expensive, and you're gonna have to start letting some people go. And I think that that money could be best used elsewhere because the best ability is availability. He's a big paid player on defense, and guess what? The defense sucks the entire yeah. time. So whatever, man, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I think they keep Joey Bosa at least one year under the new head coach just to see how the new head coach likes him. But yeah, Brandon Staley is for sure getting uh, shown the door. And uh, then we'll have to see what they go for. I would find it super funny if they just went like super hard in the opposite way of a numbers guy or an analytics guy and just like went for like a Dan Campbell. Because it would just be a total tonal shift compared to the last few years under Brandon Staley. 
that's what I'd like to see the Chargers do personally. Go out and, you know, maybe maybe they can't say bite some kneecaps. Maybe Dan Campbell has that trademark. Bite some elbows. How about that? Bill Belichick's going to go there. The Chargers are going to be the premier L.A. team over the Rams. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dan, though, like, Herbert's a good enough quarterback where he can make him, but You'd have to have, like, your entire posse from all your 10 years, Josh McDaniels, to come over there and make sure that, you know, no one talks anything bad about the Patriots. Uh, you know, you can badmouth the Chargers if you're over there, but not the Patriots, okay? Might have gotten fired, but the Patriots are the greatest, okay? They're yeah. the greatest. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, sad news, though. It's a devastating year for NFL quarterbacks. Absolutely devastating. Oh, yeah. Um, but now let's get into some Vikings news. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has officially passed Kyle Rudolph for the single-season tight end reception Vikings record. Hawkinson currently has 85 receptions, and Kyle Rudolph had 83 in 2016, which is the record-setting season. Um that's pretty nice, you know. We first full season with the team already set a new record, and he's got four games to play. That's baffling stuff. Uh, you know, I always thought Kyle Rudolph was pretty good, but I mean, I remember he had just this tendency to like drop passes that he should be catching like yeah. all the time, and that was really annoying. Uh, I see that a little in Hawkinson, but Hawkinson seems to definitely be a better more reliable target over Kyle Rudolph. To yeah, me. and uh, Kyle Rudolph was also used a lot more in the blocking game than uh, TJ Hawkinson is currently. And yeah. It's just because he's a bigger guy. He could manhandle some defensive ends, so why not use that when you have to? But Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyle Rudolph was always solid. I, I just remember that one year in the Pro Bowl when he uh, was just locked in with Drew Brees. He just kept hitting him, and he won the Pro Bowl MVP. Like, it was insane that a tight end won it. He had, like, 150 yards and, like, two touchdowns or something. Like, like dang, get this guy a quarterback. I think that's when we had uh, Christian Ponder. So, yeah, he was probably like, dang. That's what having a quarterback's like. I'm pretty good. We probably just wasted this dude's career. He was like better than Gonzalez, Gates, and uh, Kelsey. It's just all these guys. I and mean, he just wasted away with Ponder as his quarterback. Right. <laughs> um, and some other good news. Uh, Harrison Smith played his 172nd game. That is a Minnesota Vikings defensive back franchise record. Uh, he passes Paul Cross, who had 171 games played. Um, you know, he's already had the resume, but if you needed any more reason to put him in the Ring of Honor, that's it. You yeah. know, he's, he has that record now, too. He's he's statistically a monster. Now he's played the most games. He's like a Viking through and through. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy for him. I don't know. I'm glad that I've been able to watch, you know, so many games with Harrison Smith because he's been a pleasure to watch. It's been nice knowing we have just a great safety back there all these years oh all the time yeah and then anyone he paired up with was immediately better next to him too right yeah uh sandejo i feel like he was not very good but next to smith he wasn't bad yeah next to smith <laughs> he did it did his job yeah hard-hitting guy he got kicked out of a lot of games <laughs> yeah um, and then uh, right tackle Brian O'Neill is not expected to play on Saturday. He suffered an ankle sprain on the same leg that he had the partial Achilles tear in last season. Uh, that is a big concern to me. I don't think he's quite looked as elite as he has in previous years this year anyway, but 
I mean, this this could be devastating. You have another injury to the same leg. I mean, because these dudes are in the trenches every single play, going at it with the other biggest people on the other team, hitting each other every single play. It doesn't matter what injury you have. You start piling these up on the leg, and that's not doing you any favors, especially as you're getting into your older 20s and into your 30s, which he will be quite soon. So, um, yeah, it's a little concerning. Um, it's definitely going to be a concern against the Cincinnati Bengals in the short term, but um, I'm thinking longer term. You know, if he's not there against the Lions and the Packers, oh, I mean could be tough but you know you sneak into the playoffs without O'Neal and that could be devastating <laughs> good thing we got rid of Cleveland for a sixth round pick it is great I mean I still feel like we would have gotten that as a compensant uh a compensation pick uh or compensatory pick compensatory compensatory pick uh later I mean maybe it would have been just a seventh but we would have gotten something for right, him exactly and the sixth and a seventh whatever those are crap shoots anyway right for the I, most part like, unless pace... you're going for like kicker or a yeah. specialty position maybe. yeah and that's great for what that is but then you got ivan pace jr and adam thielen undrafted free like you know you can get anyone at that point so i'd rather have the depth this season would have been nice last game would have been nice this game would have been nice the rest of the season but would have been just generally nice yeah at all times yeah, yeah. that was such an underpay for cleveland in my opinion it's almost like you should have good depth at O-line. I don't know. It's weird stuff. Um, and then Nick Mullins has been named starting quarterback versus the Bengals. Um, get into that more in a second here. Um, now let's just get right into the Vikings-Raiders game. The Minnesota Vikings absolutely dominated Three to zero against the Raiders. Completely shut them out. Vikings go to seven and six, and the Raiders go to five and eight. Um, this game was historic, absolutely historic. It's tied for the lowest scoring NFL game in history. Uh, just historic stuff. I think it was like what thir- mid third quarter, mid fourth quarter before the field goal happened. I it was quite late in the game. Wherever it was, I feel like it was like record territory of how long it was to score. I mean. Just legendary on all parts, except for enjoyment. But <laughs> Well, on the opposite end of enjoyment, it was legendary. I was going to say that the Bears game two weeks ago was the worst game I've ever seen, which now I'm kind of glad I wasn't on the podcast to say that, because now I can say that this is the worst game I've ever watched in my entire time watching football. Doesn't that frighten you? You said that two weeks, two games ago, then you said that this last game. What's this next game going to be? It's going to be like 100 to 0, just like losing against a backup quarterback. Oh, God. Our former backup quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, an interesting game, but a win is a win. You know, we could have won it 100 to 0 ourselves, and it would have been a win. So yeah. it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um but let's get into the quarterback talk. Um, Nick Mullins finished 9 for 13 with 83 yards. He did this in one-eighth of the game. Dobbs went 10 for 23. That's right, one more completion on 10 more throws for 63 yards. That's 20 less yards. He also had 5 carries and 21 rush yards. Mind you, he had 7 eighths of the game. So, I mean, you got to multiply Mullins' stats in accordance to that he blew him out of the water frankly like right it was it was 
kind of awful watching Dobbs. I did remember one carry he had where he escaped the pressure. I think it was on a third down, and he got a pretty nice gain with his legs, and that's pretty much the only good play I remember. Yeah. Um, pretty much awful all game, and it was highlighted by the absolute dangerous and reckless play by him to leave Justin Jefferson outstretched in the middle of the field. That was like what Tom Brady was saying a few years ago about, you know, needing to have a responsibility on protecting your receivers because you throw in the middle of the field when a safety's charging down, he could get hurt. He really could. You're allowing your receiver to get hurt. You don't make those plays because it's, it's not good. Especially with a guy like Jefferson, you lose Justin Jefferson, an all pro player, that's not good. It's right. not good to lose an all-pro receiver. You don't... You, if it, it happens, it happens in football. But when it's just a simply dangerous and reckless play over the center of the field, it makes no sense because Jefferson is a competitor. He wants to get the ball. He's going to go for it. He's not going to lay off because it's potentially... There's a safety out there. He wants it, and he went for it. Got it. And, you know, big injury. Um, And that was, and he's had a history with that. He did that to Hawkinson. He did that to Osborne. He did it to Addison. And now he's doing it to Jefferson. He's a dangerous quarterback, actually. And I am relieved that he is not in in, uh, the game as our starting quarterback now. Yeah. What do you think on this quarterback situation, Andrew? I was excited about Dobbs. I was all on the passionate train for a little bit. Uh, But... You know, that's just kind of how some of those storylines go. Uh, They're fun to cover very briefly. And, like, you know, two games with Josh Dobbs. All right, that's cool. Like, yeah, go Dobbs. All right. Uh, Wow, we're at game four, and he's looking like this. Can we we see something else, please? I... Nick Mullins is solid. However, he is, like, the definition of career backup, essentially. And, uh... I just don't know what more you get from Mullins than it would be trying out Hall. Uh, I'm pretty sure Kevin O'Connell just yesterday said that Hall was officially cleared to play and that he would be in the like contention for the starting role down the line as well. I don't get why we don't see what we have in him more so, but I mean, we can see a little bit of what Mullins does in uh, Kevin O'Connell's system. So I guess there is that to see. Um, well, I mean, going back on what you said about, um, or about just Dobbs in general, when he first came here, I was not super thrilled because I wanted to go with Hall. That's what I assumed that we'd go with the rookie then and, you know, build to see what he has. Um, and then Mullins is, he's our backup. We brought him in last year to be our backup and I'm happy with him as a backup. He's a very good backup in comparison to Sean Mannion. But if you want to roll with Hall, fine. You brought in Dobbs. I'm like, you know, I don't really like it, but then after watching him play the game where we needed to win uh, when Hall got hurt, I turned around and said, you know what? That's a great move. You hardly gave up anything for him. And that's initially what I said, too, is it's not that big of a deal because you didn't give up too much, but just on the um, the personnel that we had of what I wanted to see, I thought it was a bad move. Not from like a draft pick of like the trade value. It wasn't a bad trade value that he made. Yeah. But after watching the game, I was like, you know what? That was a great trade. Great job. You got a quarterback that did well. And that's still what I think today. He did lead us to those wins and got us where we need to be. But we understand what he is. He's been to multiple teams and had these issues. And I just 
I think he's not an NFL starting quarterback. He's probably a backup. You know, I said he's an A-tier backup the other day, and I think I'm wrong for one reason. That's because of how dangerous he is to receivers. I think for that reason alone, he's not an A-tier. Talent-wise, he's an A-tier backup, but he just has some bad tendencies. I don't know... I don't know how the hell you fix that, because, I mean, what do you tell the dude? You can't throw in the middle of the field anymore, like, and then dude's not going to be thrown anymore. He's just going to be running. I just, I, I don't think he is going to be a good quarterback. <laughs> what, I, what I think it is, is, like, uh, maybe if you know you're going to be starting Josh Dobbs, your wide receivers just do a bit more conditioning that week, essentially. Build up a, a tad bit more muscle and try to... Take the hits at that point, like, or they could just fake injuries and be like, "I ain't going out there." Them just revolt against him. They put Mullins in. Oh yeah, I'm healthy. (laughs) But that's the other thing too. Like Mullins was brought in to be a backup, so I'm I'm glad we're rolling with him because it makes sense that you'd have the guy that was going to be the primary backup to handle your offense in case God forbid something happened to Cousins, and it did. So. That makes sense, but I was intrigued with, you know, starting the rookie and seeing what you have. Um, I just, I think that's the owners. It comes from straight up from the owners. They want to win. They don't want to play this development game. And that's just what I think, that they're, they're hell-bent on winning. And I think clearly putting Mullins out there right now gives you the best chance at winning. But I don't think with him out there, we're up to the 49ers caliber i don't think we're up to the cowboys cal i just i don't think we're that good especially on the road so i mean i get it but it's kind of like a problem with the wild too like sometimes you just need to be okay with losing the timberwolves had freaking 20 years of the crap and i know it sucked attendance was bad but they made it through look at them now Sometimes it takes a long time and you mess up and you need to keep hitting the re-switch button, but they spent that time sucking and rebuilding and they messed up a lot of times, but eventually they got it right. Eventually they got it right and assembled a roster that can compete and is number one in the entire league. The Wild, they refuse to do that. They keep signing veterans. They keep they keep just being stuck in this loophole of making the playoffs barely and then fizzling out year after year after year. And the Vikings are almost the same way. It seems like we constantly have a great roster, but then um we bring like, you know, a veteran quarterback in to shore it up. That was what we did for years and with Cousins it was almost like the same. We brought in a veteran to fix up the roster, and I just feel like that's what we do. We're not a team that's going to develop a quarterback, and I don't know. That's the one time where I was really excited was when we had um, uh, Ponder coming in and stuff. You know, that was a time when we actually sucked really bad, and we had a young quarterback, and there was, like, hope for the future, kind of. Right. Um, But I think that instance perhaps scared the hell out of the owners, because then they tried again with Teddy Bridgewater. Right. And he was, you know, he was all right sometimes, and then sometimes not as good. 
at the end of the day, he was probably solid, but he's not a top five quarterback he, he, for sure. He got a severe injury in the middle of development and of right. developing. Like you never really saw a final product. Right. Bridgewater. Well, because that year was the year where he was supposed to like that was the year where everything was going to come together and he was going to be the franchise. Because I remember that preseason, he hit Jarius Wright for like a fifty or sixty yard throw. I mean, it looked like he had his deep ball down. Yeah. And we were good. We were good. And then you're right. He had that horrific injury. But I think that's another thing from that they watched. Oh my god. Oh my God, we just developed this guy, spent all these years, and look at this. And then they went and got a first-round pick for Bradford. Again, this, you know, yeah. I, I, so I, I just feel like the Wilfs refuse to rebuild entirely because we just have had a history. And I don't know, I would have gone with Hall. The, the NFC is too, it's not competitive in a sense of like, getting into the playoffs, but it's extremely competitive to be the number one seed that's going to represent the NFC. I think it's extremely top heavy. So there's going to be two crap teams that sneak in, but you're just going to lose. So, you know, I, I, to me, this would have been the year where I would have spent developing, but I get it. It is fun to be in December thinking playoffs and, you know, being in that it's fun. So I feel it because the fans, they're going to turn up, they're going to turn up if we're competing. Yeah. We're loyal. So I don't think they're hurting themselves business-wise at all with this decision, but I, I just think like a long-term Super Bowl focus, you are. I don't know. I, eventually, we could hit on a veteran quarterback, uh, but yeah, you are right. Like, even if we do tank, I don't see them picking up of like going up and uh taking a first overall QB at any point. I can't see Kwesi doing that because, I mean, he hasn't really shown anything that would be, that would say that he's okay with that for sure. That's just due to, he's new, essentially. Um, but then you have ownership kind of chirping in his ear a little bit. The, the Wilfs are relatively hands-off in comparison to some, looking at uh, Carolina there. Uh, but, Obviously, they still want some control over their team. They have a billion dollars probably invested into it, if not billions. Like, if they say, we're not going to develop a QB, we're getting a veteran, period. That's kind of what you have to do at that point. I mean, from from a financial perspective, I get it too, because they have invested in this team. And, you know, we ranked as like a number one destination for players. You look at our training facilities, our actual stadium. Everything is state-of-the-art here, so I get the owner saying, you know what, we put a lot of money and time and investment in this team to give them the best of the best, we want to win, do what you got to do, but no, you're not tanking to get a top quarterback, but you need to win, and I feel like that's kind of what they're dealt with, so like basically a free hand, but they can't full-on rebuild, because last year it was, what he said, is a soft rebuild, Yeah, and I don't think that you're necessarily wrong because we do have like some pieces, but I mean, if you, I mean, I feel like that's your option. You either go with Cousins or you go with, you know, a drafted quarterback next year. And the way we're trending as far as playing, I mean, I, who are you going to get in the first round that's going to, I mean, maybe you trade up and I, I don't know. I, I it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but. And the price on that is going to be so high as well because. Well, I, ba- I, yeah. 
yeah, uh, just because of the amount of quarterbacks that we've seen go down, uh, the generation of quarterbacks uh, is aging. I know Joe Flacco is back in the league now, but he doesn't really count at the moment. Like, there could be, like, eight teams, realistically, that are going for the first overall pick next season. That it is, If it does get traded, I would not be surprised if it's the highest trade value first round overall pick that we have seen. Uh, in our lifetime, at least. Watch the Vikings trade for, like, Wilson or, or uh, Ritter or something as our guy. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, if Cousins isn't brought back, you know... I mean, I feel like we're going to be looking in the free agency and trades. Like, I feel like, you know, Cousins, if he says, hey, man, I want to play for $20 million this year or something, let's just run it back. I mean, I could see him going, great, let's do that. Oh, we're yeah. end of discussion. But I feel like, you know, they're going to have to look into what's Aaron Rodgers like. What are the Jets thinking? What's, uh, in, you know, they've said they're going to trade Wilson. Maybe they're going to look at him. Ritter's done in Atlanta, and I don't want him, but... I mean, you got to do your due diligence, and I, yeah. I think that's a guy you're probably going to look at, too. And then Fields, because there's always the rumors with him. It, it's going to be a really interesting offseason, but I, I think it's really going to come down to, initially, Cousins' asking price. I think that's going to be the first thing. Like, we're probably going to talk to him first, like, you know, what are you thinking? Because if Cousins says, you know, I'm not taking any discount, I want $40, 45000000 million a year, even if we do bring him back, I think we'd say, test free agency. See what's out there. If someone's willing to give it to you, great. But I don't think you're going to get that. Yeah. You know, we'll match the offer you get. Go out. And because I, I feel like if Cousins went out the free agency and some other team gave him an offer that's higher than ours, and he would probably give us a chance to match it because it's a hassle leaving. Yeah. It's, it's a hassle. And he seems to really like Minnesota. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Yeah. So, like, I could see him, you know, wanting to match. And if it's a reasonable contract, I mean, that's the easiest solution. But it, it does come down to money because... I mean, Cousins at 40 or 45 million with the question of how does he come back from his injury versus a quarterback drafted 20th overall that maybe you reached on or something. But that quarterback's also going to cost, you know, 140th of that amount. So, you know, and then with that roster, you could get an extra O-lineman to help the guy out, another receiver, create a better defense. There's so many things you could do with that cap space. So it's going to be a lot of that. It's just dealing with numbers, I think. I think that's all it is, is numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, De- definitely, if Kirk Cousins comes back, where's your where's your line for what you think a good price for Cousins is on a per-year basis for, say, a three-year, if we bring him back for that? Well, um, it doesn't matter what I think. The base level is now Daniel Jones, so... Uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's so tricky. Like, I've, I feel like... The NFL quarterback market is just weird right now. Like, I I don't know, man. And then a lot of the top-paid quarterbacks are, like, you know, season-ending injuries and stuff, too. Like, Herbert and stuff and, and Joe Burrow. I right. mean, it's got to be a little Daniel scary. Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Two quarterbacks have replaced them and look better. Yeah. I, I mean, w- the Giants are just got to be like, what the hell? We could have put a trash can out there and he would have performed better. I mean, the Vikings just... Our defensive coordinator last year is the greatest, uh, the greatest, Sabatour. yes, uh, of all time. I'm trying to, I was just trying to think of the word because not talent wise at making your football team good, you know, just on uh, convincing other teams to hire their guys, you know, that's just what he does. <laughs> makes your, makes other teams, uh, bad players look so good. I, I had Daniel Jones as a bust, but after this game, he, 
He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, we got to resign him, man. <laughs> 40 mil a year. <laughs> it's, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just going to be tough because especially when you got to, you know, worry about Jefferson's contract and you got to think about Daniel Hunter. Um, I think Brian O'Neill with his injury problems, maybe that's someone you release or something to free up some room if need be. But I just really hope Cousins takes a team-friendly deal. I get it if, you know, you don't want to lock yourself in because of the injury, but because I could see him maybe saying, hey, a one-year deal at this discount or something, but I feel like that doesn't make sense for him. It would make sense to take a longer deal with, like, a shorter upfront cap hit or something like that. Yeah. So, well, um, we'll have to see, but I, I just, I hope he works with the team somehow because I would love to have him back and I feel like he could be good, but I mean, he is coming off a major injury and he's getting older. Nothing's a guarantee in life. So it's a risk. Everything's a risk this off season. There's no, there's no a plus move that you can make. Everything has a risk on it. Oh yeah, for sure. If there's one person I'm not too afraid of coming back off of a big injury, it's probably Kirk Cousins though. I mean, like the only reason that he hasn't started like four full seasons in a row is just due to ticky tacky who's really the starter BS. Uh, like one year he got benched because we already locked our spot. You know, whatever. Rest your quarterback makes sense. The other year he got COVID. Twenty twenty getting COVID. I I don't really count that as an injury. Like those are the two things holding him back from having four straight start or four straight seasons starting all games. So it's not like he has any prior damage. Hey, you're just getting me to write. Like, speaking on COVID, I remember the Vikings Reddit page. They, like, hated Cousins. They hated Smith. Like, just literally, they love these people, and all of a sudden, they just wanted them gone from the world. Like, it was just like, oh, my God. I, I get, you know, you don't agree with them exactly, but, like, come on, man. It's football. Just let them play football. Like... At the end of the day, that's all that matters. I don't agree with everyone, but, like, I'm still going to watch it play. I like football. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. <laughs> Separate the player from the person at the end of the day. Like, I'm not I'm not particularly a fan of the, like, uber Christians that donate to, like, anti-gay foundations and stuff like that. But, like, that's his money. He still puts a good product on the field. Like, he's A for effort. He's not assaulting 26 women or however many in a uh, spa, allegedly. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's much worse reasons to hate different football players and, like, weird political stances aren't, aren't really one of them that you can pull on me to make, make, make me dislike a football player. Hell, I'm probably going to disagree with 90% of the football players because they're all rich elite people <laughs> like at the end of the day that's just how it, they just don't talk about it yeah yeah, yeah the, a 10-year veteran that has 200 million in his bank account probably has a little bit different views on the world um but then anyways let's get more into this game too we've been going off with these quarterbacks for oh, yeah. a while uh madison finished a 10 carry 66 yards solid game chandler 12 carries 35 yards three receptions seven Receiving yards, meh game. Hawkinson, five receptions, 53 yards. Jefferson and Addison both hit two receptions and 27 yards. Um, a very boring game offensively. Um, actually, Madison was probably our best player on offense. Maybe Hawkinson was better. I don't know, but that's pretty much who you had out there. And it was just, 
it was awful. It, yeah. it really was. Um, not much else to say about offense. I don't know. It's not even like the defenses were particularly good either, if that's what we're going to get into next. It's well, like both the offenses were just so bad. We are going to get into one defensive player real quick, quite heavy. Ivan Pace Jr., oh, yeah. the undrafted free agent. Forgot about the GOAT. 13 tackles, one sack, one pass deflection, one interception, 92.9 pro football focus grade, NFC defensive player of the week. I mean, ha- have a day. Have yeah. a day, Ivan oh, Pace. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It was the Raiders. They sucked. But this is an undrafted free agent that every team passed on seven times. Well, except for the Rams, who... But, that I means some team passed on him, like, 12 times. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> um, that's just... It, it's absolutely crazy that we got this just absolute steal. Especially, you know, we got rid of Kendricks this year, and there's big... Cons- hey, we lost Kendricks, our long-term linebacker that led this group, and... It's okay. We got this undrafted guy named Ivan Pace Jr. All works out. All works out, baby. Um, right. I'm so, I'm so happy with him. I mean... I was hyped on him when we signed him. Like, he was supposed to go in the draft for sure. I'm pretty sure he was projected as, like, third to fifth, something like that. I'm not sure what exactly knocked him off. And, uh, His height. That was it? I mean, there might have been something else, but that's his main concern is he's too small. Mm. Short. Well, he's not too short to pick off Aiden O'Connell, so you know I'll take it. John Randall was too tiny, they said, you know, and he was a right. he was a dominant defensive. Ta- I mean, Russell Wilson was too tiny. Like, I mean, I get it. Hey, size it can really help it sometimes, but it is not the end all be all of sports. You can make do with what you have with heart and talent, and that's something Ivan Pace Jr. has. He has heart and he has talent. He doesn't need those extra three, four, five inches that you want him to have. It's fine. He, he can maneuver at his level, and he does it at, at an elite level, you know? Everyone right. said, we don't want this guy, and he said, well, you know what? I'm Defensive Player of the Week. How you like them? Right. How you like them, Apples? <laughs> Which, for an undrafted rookie, is just insane. I feel like the only spot height might matter would be, like, cornerback and wide receiver, because those are, those are competing balls and stuff like that. But even then, Justin Jefferson isn't the tallest dude. Jamar Chase isn't the tallest yeah. dude. We remember, uh, I think, I, I, what, I can't have been the podcast. I think we were just discussing while we watched a game or something about the defensive uh, rookie of the year race and how I said, is Ivan Pace Jr. maybe in the in the running? And you said no um, from the, the Eagles defensive tackle, uh, Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, yeah. Um, and you said, you know, he has it. And I don't, you know, I did disagree with you at the time. I don't disagree with you now. But do you think Ivan Pace Jr. might be, even if he doesn't win, at least, creeping into the conversation a little bit as the season progresses and do you think the fact that he was undrafted might help his uh his chances being undrafted no i don't think that helps his chances it uh, honestly i think only hinders the chances unless he blows up uh on the national stage at some point then being undrafted might help but I'm not sure if we have any more primetime games left. I really, I'm honestly not sure. I think the I think the Lions game is. I uh, no. All right, so we play this game on Saturday at noon, and then it's the Lions on Christmas Eve, if I'm not mistaken. That's at noon. Yeah. And then it's uh, New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, it'd be New Year's Eve, and I think that is an undetermined time, mm. or maybe it's at noon again. But then we play. Another game in January against the Lions, and that is, it hasn't been decided when that is, so, and 
what it's looking like now. If things roll, if, it could that could be for the NFC North. Yeah, if there's <laughs> playoff implications to it, I don't see why it wouldn't. Like, it's rare to have legitimate playoff uh, like contention in Week 18. So, well, that's yeah. why they you know don't lock it in. So they're all division games that last week, and then they just pick. What's the game? What's the prime time game? Right. But that I'm saying that's what he'll need yeah, in order right. to get into that conversation is a prime time game, like a national spotlight. Yeah, we know Ivan Pace Jr. because undrafted, good story, playing phenomenal. Even just beyond this game, he's been solid. Yeah, all, all season. Year. Uh, well, not all season. The first four games, he didn't quite get snaps uh, all that often, which also is going to hinder any sort of talks like that. I just want him to finish like second or third. You know what I mean? I just want him to yeah. have some some credit to just so he knows he had a great season. Because I mean, us fans are gonna tell him, but I just think from an that you know we get snubbed a lot here in Minnesota. But it would just be nice for him to get some credit because especially with his story and Adam Thielen got a ton of coverage about it. But it wasn't until he got a hundred yards in like eight consecutive games before they started undrafted free agent Adam Thielen every game. Now every game, that's what they say. And it's yeah. so annoying. Yeah. Like I know. Okay. I know. I get, they probably don't know in Carolina, but they're going to know by the end of the season. Cause you told them 18 times. <laughs> well, Carolina doesn't have much to talk about really. Yeah. You can't talk about their Super Bowl dreams. <laughs> um, and then DJ Wanham, five tackles a sack. Harrison Phillips, four tackles a sack. Troy Dye, two tackles a sack. Mecky Blackmon, four tackles a forced uh, or a fumble recovery excuse me jay ward one fumble recovery josh metallis or metallis seven tackles and one forced fumble um a lot of turnovers and um you know tackling by our defense getting sacks and doing their job you know he, he shut them down and flores you know look good you know the offense isn't doing crap and that's the thing dobbs is three and out not doing anything all game and this defense held it together that's the most impressive thing. I think you can look at the game as being crap all you want, because it was, but you got to give your hats off to the defense. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter what circumstance. They didn't allow a single point, and that's impressive at the end of the day. Right. So, um, dope stuff there. Um, that's all I want to talk about the Vikings game, sir. Did you see that uh, little information bubble about Metellus' uh, positions? Yes, yeah, so it's had like 10 or 11 positions on it, like basically 12. everything. Yeah, 12 positions. Yeah. Dude even take a snap at defensive tackle. Yeah. Like, that dude is insane. Yeah, it's good we signed him to the extension this offseason. I think it was like two years, six million, so it's not too long. But, right. um, you know, because that won't kick in until after the season, so, you know. Obviously, we would have wanted him now, and his price probably went up. So, oh, yeah. really good signing to lock in a you know versatile defensive player. And it also um, hurts Sign, who I did see Sign this last game. He was uh, on the sideline looking at the video board in street clothes, looking sad. He was in street clothes? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he ain't playing, man. He's <laughs> he's just, like, done. <laughs> That's crazy that yeah. we just gave him really nothing to prove himself either which way. His first start, he was out, and then he just never got back in. Well, I mean, Metellus is there. We have Bynum. Yeah. We have uh, uh, Smith, obviously. I think there's someone else there, too, who's out playing. I mean, it's just, there's no hope for Guy. <laughs> um, all right. Is that uh, all you wanted to yeah, anything else? To okay. give Metellus For sure. Credit. Yeah, Josh Metellus deserves the credit. He's a versatile player. Dope for jo- uh, Brian Flores. 
Um, now let's get into the playoff picture. I'll start off with the AFC. Um, at number one is the Baltimore Ravens at 10 and three. They move up from the second seed at number two is the Miami Dolphins at nine and four. They move down from the first seed at number three is KC at eight and five. They hold Pat, uh, Jacksonville is at the fourth seed, eight and five. They remain pat. At number five is Cleveland at eight and five, moving up from the sixth seed. At number six is the Pittsburgh Steelers, moving down. Um, they're at the sixth seed. They move down from the fifth seed. And then number seven is the Indianapolis Colts, holding steady. Um, let's just get right into the AFC East. Uh, Miami was the only team that lost this week. They're nine and four Buffalo seven and six, the jets five and eight Patriots three and 10 and are officially eliminated. Um, I, I already said last week, I think it doesn't matter if the jets went out, they won this game, but I think it's over. Uh, they're just too far behind and I don't see the dolphins relinquishing a four game lead at this point. Um, Buffalo, though, I think even with the win, I just, I, I just think there's issue after issue with that team. You know, they lost their offensive coordinator this year. Josh Allen was on the Madden cover. Von Miller's uh, apparently beating his pregnant girlfriend. Uh, they lost their number one corner. They tried sh uh, signing Josh Norman to replace him. You know, there's there's issues on their team. Um, yeah. So I'm not seeing things. And then even with Miami's loss, I they're still a good team. The, uh, the Miami? Yeah. 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 Uh, the Tyreek Hill uh, little injury scare, that was, uh, I saw Miami fans, they were like, oh, God. Because, yeah, if he goes out, I mean, they're pretty much done. Yeah. I'm not saying they're bad without him, but they're elite because of Tyreek Hill. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. I haven't seen a player make a legitimate, like, can a wide receiver win MVP run like this in my lifetime. I mean, if I was voting, I'd vote it for him. Like, you know, usually I do think a quarterback deserves it a lot of the time, but genuinely, sometimes I believe it's a defensive player. Genuinely, sometimes it's a skill position player. Like when Adrian Peterson won it his year, it was bull crap that anyone said he did not deserve it. Yeah. It was after a major injury, 2,000 freaking yards. Yeah. I mean, unfreaking heard of. And... Yeah, it was just and Christian Ponder was this freaking quarterback. Okay, he 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 led the team with Christian Ponder. No other running back in the history of the NFL except maybe Barry Sanders could have done that. Yeah. And I will I will live and die by that quote. It was the greatest season I've ever seen from a running back. Just sometimes other people deserve it. Tyreek Hill. For sure, man. For sure. And I like how you said the 2,000-yard marker with Adrian Peterson specifically. I feel like that's what he needs to hit in order to get that MVP vote. If if there's a 1-9, he's going to be snubbed for sure, no matter what. If there's a 2-0, he's getting that at least votes for sure. Yeah, I mean, I see, like, because if you give it to a quarterback, who do you give it to? I mean, Dak Prescott, really? Really going to get an MVP? I mean, he's been pretty good. It's like, But early on... He was not that great. Any of his Brock Purdy, he looked very bad a few games. Very, very bad. And Tyreek Hill, he never looked bad this whole season. If and if especially if you're gonna give it to someone in San Francisco, you better look at Christian McCaffrey or Brock Purdy. Trent Williams. Yeah, <laughs> damn. Imagine a left tackle winning. That would be some crazy stuff. I mean it makes very sense though. Very warranted. Unappreciated position, but yeah, that would just be absolutely baffling. It's going to be like a, a right guard who gets it one year. Like, what? <laughs> over, left, over Trent Williams this year. Yeah, he's going to have to, like, I don't know, 
get like eight fumble recoveries in the end zone or something to get that one. <laughs> um, and then the AFC North, uh, Baltimore winning, going to ten and three. Cleveland winning, going to eight and five. Cincy winning, seven and six. Pittsburgh losing, going to seven and six. Um, Baltimore is now the only team with a healthy quarterback in their division. That's and they have Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. That's the craziest two sentences you could piece together. Um, but yeah, they they're the best team. But Cleveland, like. What the hell? That's all I... I don't... They just... I don't even know what to say about them, really. Like, I just... You lose your running back, like Chubb, and then you lose your quarterback. I mean, I get Watson's not what he once was, and I think you probably want Mayfield over him, but you lose both of those players, and you're still competing, winning games? Like, hats off to them, for real. Um, Yeah, you're talking about MVP caliber. Miles Garrett is basically carrying that team right now, along with their stack, the rest of their stacked defense, don't get me wrong, but if you're talking about, like, quarterbacks of the defense, Miles Garrett is him right now. Yeah, Garrett would, I mean, he's got to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Um, Pittsburgh, uh, I just don't see things going well with them. And then uh, Cincy, I'm really surprised they've been able to do so well without Joe Burrow. I thought, hey, they lost Joe Burrow. That's going to be good for us Vikings when we play him. And now I'm like, that's not a gimme. This is not a gimme. They're not a bad team right now. Yeah. Um, Fun fact about uh, Browning or Jake Browning, their quarterback. Cincy only has them because the Vikings dropped uh, Jake Browning. Uh, a few weeks before we were slated to play them week one of that season. So they picked <laughs> him up in order to kind of get that advantage yeah. on us. Huh. And then they just kind of stuck with him. Interesting. And it, and it panned out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I really feel like Pittsburgh, I feel like they're going to fall out of the playoff picture pretty soon. Uh, Cleveland, though, I, I thought they would be done, but they just keep holding on and... The way that defense is playing, I I don't really feel like they're pulling out. I don't feel like they're going to pull out of that race. Um, but then uh, AFC South, uh, Jacksonville lost eight and five. Indy lost seven and six. Houston lost seven and six. Titans won though five and eight. Um, so Houston uh, lose. I was questioning how CJ Stroud would be after losing Tank Dell, and. Well, you didn't see the prettiest game. I believe they did play the New York Jets, though. They did play extremely the... difficult defense oh, to play yeah. against. Um, and they also lost uh, Nico Collins, their other wide receiver, in that game. So um, I'm going to give him a little slack on this game and not yeah. do any criticism because that's what I said. You know, if you take a little step back, that's okay. He's still probably elite. Then he lost his other big wide receiver. I mean, I'm just really going to pull back on him. Yeah, and I mean... Now we don't have a choice uh, for at least a couple weeks, probably, now that he's in concussion protocol. So, And who knows? Maybe he doesn't make it out for the rest of the season, potentially. I mean, with how tight the race is, I feel like they're going to do everything. I mean, I know it doesn't matter what they do because they have to have someone else, like, okay. It's just their team can't go, yeah, he's good, and they're, okay, all good to go. But they're going to do everything in their power to make sure he's good to go and ready. Like, there's... They're not going to be one to be extra careful. Oh, let's give them an extra week to heal. I know they're going to throw them out there as soon as they get an okay. Or, yeah, maybe you can, but you probably shouldn't. Well, he's going out there. <laughs> he's out there. 
Um, but it, it would be a shame if the Colts made it to the playoffs over the Texans. Oh, yeah. It would be an absolute shame. So I really, I really want the Colts to be knocked out. I don't want them in the playoffs. And it's ridiculous that they've been in this. They've literally been in the playoffs in the picture the last four weeks. Like, get out of here. Why are you the seventh seed? It's annoying. And then um, the AFC West, KC, is really falling off. They're 8-5 and five now. Uh, Denver, they won 7-6, and six, and the Chargers and Raiders both lost going to 5-8. and eight. The Chargers are done without Herbert, and the Raiders, I mean, you saw it. You, you just saw. You just saw. There, nothing more needs to be said. Denver, though, good God. I... <laughs> We just got to give some respect to me over here. Who would have thought the Denver Broncos? <laughs> uh, seriously, though, they're one game behind KC. Right. They, they Everyone wrote them off. Russell Wilson sucks. I freaking didn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that Russell Wilson, after what I saw in Seattle all those years, suddenly just sucked and was like the worst player ever. Like something, there had to be something. And... I, I'm I'm actually impressed. I did not. Th- I thought just I was wrong. There's no way. Like I was just way off. But I, something something's magical there in Denver. And the way KC is playing, Denver could win the division. Oh yeah. Now that is something that I did not anticipate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, nobody could have anticipated that. Like KC's fall from grace, as yeah. well as Denver currently having the division like tiebreaker over them. Yeah, I, I mean the Broncos are they're heading they're right in like the uh, record I said they were going to be in at the end. I'll I'll review and do a comparison when we're done with the season. But they're right around that era. KC is trailing so far behind from where I thought. But that was that's basically hundred percent due. They don't have a receiver who can catch. Right. They have Kelsey, and that's it. Hell, they don't even have a receiver they can line up on side. <laughs> this dude this dude does not line up correctly, and he can't catch. It's just the worst combo for a receiver. <laughs> but, I mean, I get there's controversy on it. Maybe they should have said something, but, I mean, you... You can't just yeah. completely blame someone else. He was basically lined up as a tight end and still lined up offsides. Like, yeah. that's a little... You don't have to really confirm at that point. Like... That, yeah, no, he could visibly tell that he was offsides. Why he stayed there, God only knows. I'll tell you, though, he wouldn't have caught that pass from Kelsey unless he was offsides, though. If he had been onside, you know he would have dropped it. He, like, had nothing on his, like, you know, nothing, no burden on him. He just, yeah, I got this. Wow. How did I learn how to kick? Oh, I was offsides. <laughs> I swear, dude, Tony's just ass. and He's bringing the Chiefs yeah. down with him. Was it? He was with the Giants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Jones was thrown to him at one point. Yeah. Oh man! So he must have like somehow taught Mahomes Daniel Jones tendencies or something. Yeah. He was like, yeah. It's like when you go to a new job. Yeah. My last QB, he used to do this. And Patrick Mahomes over there. Uh, I can't do a good Muppet impression, but uh, he's just taking notes. <laughs> Mahomes is learning this crap. You got to listen to me too, man, because my man Jones, he makes more money than you. <laughs> I I don't think he actually does, but it's not far off. If you average it, no, but I'm sure that if you do a uh, like uh, this year versus like this yeah. year versus this year, <laughs> right. there are for sure some years <laughs> Daniel Jones is getting paid more than Mahomes. And I would if, if Daniel Jones was 100 million dollars a year, I'd pay Mahomes 200 million like straight up. <laughs> 
if like my cap is 185 million, I'd pay Mahomes 200 million, have no one else. You know, I'd have a bunch of negative cap players to balance it out over Jones. It just <laughs> break out that uh, Shohei or Tyna contract. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just pay this guy when he's, like, 70. That's fine. <laughs> um, but that's it for the uh, AFC. Now the NFC. How do you feel about Mahomes' uh, antics about that offside call? Because that was big news, and I feel like if we're talking about KC, we got to cover that a little bit. I'll let you go on it first. I, I feel like that was, like unbearably unprofessional like we've seen Brady get throw tantrums at refs and his other coaches and teammates and stuff like that and I mean if you're comparing resumes you want to find someone to compare to Mahomes that's who you're looking at for the most part but to go into the post game Brady never actively went yes the refs totally blew this call because it's going to affect Kelsey's Hall of Fame career, all that fun stuff. No, like heat of the moment decisions. I feel like everyone can kind of like, yeah, he's a passionate player. He's going to yell about his feelings. Sure. But at, at the post game press conference, you've had some time to decompress and you've been there before. You know what everyone's expecting. Generic answers are always best to go in for whenever there's a controversy like that. And you can comment on it later if you want. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you should have your level of professionalism. But I feel like Mahomes has been very good about that throughout his career. You know, for the most part, uh, unlike his brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Thinking about where he came from. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like Mahomes is, he's, he's basically been fine his whole career and has been just a genuine person that exemplifies what you want as your franchise quarterback. We're all human, we're all going to make mistakes, and it seems like, you know, just being a little pouty and, you know, just getting mad and pet me passive-aggressive on your little, like, post-game or whatever, just irritated and airing it out. Yeah, you're right, it's not maybe professional, but if you're going to do something bad, it's, a, it's not the worst thing you can do, you know? Yeah. It's, at the end of the day, it's just, maybe I need to be better next time and not air it out, but... I'm going to defend him on this one because I've watched them this season and their inability to catch passes with their wide receivers. He hasn't been out there blasting his wide receivers every game. They won't catch. We would have won this. We would have won this. Tony sucks. We need to trade him right now. Like, you know, he's not completely going off the rails, whereas Tony should be thrown under the bus every game almost. I mean, it... And frankly, I feel like it has to be irritating at some point. Like, like he's just going to start to unravel a little more and more because he's used to winning. I'm like 60% sure he gets his wife to do that for him. <laughs> kind of in the, yeah. same, like the same Giselle bracket with Brady. I think that's how that goes down is whenever he's mad, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Mahomes' Brittany? wife. Brittany, Brittany Mahomes, yeah, is that it? Brittany I think Mahomes. so post some like instagram story or something like that yeah so i mean but hey you, you go at all these super bowls you're winning all these games and then no one can freaking catch i mean it has to be irritating as absolute hell yeah so hell then you get valda scantling and he's not even playing that well he cried in the tunnel the other day slamming his helmet in like there's just problems there in uh kc 
And I think maybe it's even getting worse because they're watching one of the teams that's favored probably higher than them in Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill's their star, MVP discussion without Mahomes. You know, Mahomes yeah. probably misses him. Oh. They, pro- I mean, I get cap-wise, it was like not, you can't pay him $30 million, Mahomes $40-plus million, Chris Jones, it's just, you don't have unlimited money. But, you know, 2,000 yards to can't catch, that's... Damn, that's a downgrade. Yeah. <laughs> so that has to just be irritating. But so I, I'm just gonna not get too into. But we'll we'll have to see if it you know if it keeps escalating or what. To right. See if he learns from it. Uh, at least he's not like John Morant flashing guns on Instagram and then apologizing and doing it again five minutes later. So you you got your yeah <laughs> got yeah. your levels to this. <laughs> kind of like what we were saying before with quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins versus like Deshaun Watson and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, one dude gets a Coles cash chain, the other dude gets multiple massages at every single parlor in their city. Allegedly. Cover it up, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now to the NFC. Uh, the number one seed is San Francisco at 10-3, and three, moving up from the second seed. Number two is Dallas at 10-3, and three, moving up from the fifth seed number three is detroit standing pat at nine and four number four is tampa bay moving up they were not in the playoff picture last week they are six and seven at number five we have philly moving down from number one at ten and three number six minnesota holds steady at seven and six and green bay seventh seed holding steady at six and seven atlanta falls out of the playoff picture they were previously at the fourth seed um let's get into the nfc east dallas winning they are looking extremely hot right now whereas the eagles have I mean, some people are saying fraud alert, perhaps. And, hey, the Vikings almost took them on earlier this year, and people wanted to rail on us for our 0-3 start. So maybe they aren't the best. I mean, they have a good record. They're a tough place to play, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I would rather face the Eagles right now than I would the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to face any of them, but Dallas and... um. San Francisco are very tough right now, but I mean we know Dallas will crumble in the divisional round. So yeah, um, but the wild card round, they they can play that game. Oh, they can play sure. that game. <laughs> I would almost say that uh, just as a Minnesota fan, I'm more scared to play Detroit than Philly. Like that's kind of how far off they're falling, and the fact that we're closer to Detroit in terms of division. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, Philly just seems to have. Uh, fallen off it's like everyone learned like hey just never let them be within three yards of a first down and you know if they can't tush push they can't do anything (laughs) basically (laughs) um yeah 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 and dallas is you know they've just been playing hot like i said um and you know they're both 10 and 3 though it's not over it's gonna be a brutal finish these last four games and then you have the giants with an outside chance at five and eight with danny davido baby you know he's a He's got it. He's Tommy DeVito. Or Tommy DeVito, whatever. You know, Danny DeVito's the uh, guy I just watched in Penguin the other day, right, from uh, <laughs> Batman. Got him confused, you know. Good Penguin. Good Penguin. Um, but he isn't a quarterback. Uh, I, I would like to see Danny DeVito, though. I would like to see Danny DeVito, yeah. If Tommy DeVito gets hurt, Danny DeVito should be the next they quarterback. They already got the jersey. Y- it like, works why, perfect. Why not just throw him in you there? You just have to up the sizes a few. <laughs> Um, Then Washington had a bye week. It's freaking crazy. There's bye weeks and like, you know, this late in the season, but it is what it is. It'd be super helpful if you were in playoff contention. Yeah, Yeah, it's not very helpful when you're four and nine, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it is. 
Um, in the NFC North, Detroit, they lost 9-4. and four. Vikings won 7-6. and six. Green Bay lost 6-7. and seven. Chicago won 5-8. and eight. Uh, You talked about Detroit wanting to play that, or uh, Philly over Detroit. I disagree with you. Detroit has been absolutely terrible as of late. Like, Goff at least has been. Um, I would not mind playing them. And I actually think those two games we play against them might be the two easiest of the last four games. And this is something that I did not think was going to be a reasonable statement, but since the Thanksgiving game, they've looked extremely questionable. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just must be that they're Detroit, and they realized we're doing good, and it's December. What the hell? And they're falling back to grace. They got their winning record. That That's a win for the Lions in terms yeah. of the season. They got the winning record, and uh, now they can just lose out the last four games. Yeah, uh, the other thing, though, I think it's the NFL script. See, it makes a lot more sense for the Vikings to creep up and have a nice competitive slate here at the end. It would have been very boring if Detroit had, you know, been 12-3 and three or whatever at this point going into the last section and the Vikings, Packers, and Bears are all at, like, two wins. You know, so there has maybe that's part of it. Um, but genuinely... I think the Vikings are in a good position with Dobbs, not as a starting quarterback. We could win the division and that's freaking weird. But, uh, the Detroit game is actually going to be really fun. I feel both of them. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, and then green Bay, uh, (laughs) this is exactly what Damien was scared of for their team. And I didn't think, I thought they were going to be six and 10, I believe was the record. I thought they'd be at the end of the, or I'm sorry, uh, seven and, 10 or 6 and 11, whatever, somewhere in there because there's the extra game. But um, So they're right around that area, but I'm surprised that they're even in the playoff picture at all. Um, Again, it kind of is what it is, but then the Bears, they're creeping up. I mean, it's 9, 7, 6, and 5 as far as the win totals. The Bears are not out of this, and they're playing really hot. In fact, the Vikings and Bears, like I said, are the only teams that won this last week. So, you know, the Bears have one more win and the Packers a loss this next week. Boom, they're tied with them. The Vikings lose. There's just one game out from them. It's Things are looking good for their direction, and Justin Fields has been hot. I think this is kind of showing that I'd rock with him another year. You're going to get that really high draft pick early on. Imagine Marvin Harrison Jr. and um, DJ Moore together. Seriously, I'm yeah. not I, – as a Vikings fan, I am terrified. I actually want them – to trade that pick for a quarterback needy team and acquire more picks because I am frightened about Marvin Harrison Jr. That prospect does not have me feeling good. So things are actually looking really good for them, even if they don't like make the playoffs or have any wins at the rest of the season. They're trending in a nice direction. Oh, yeah. And with Carolina's crap record, I mean, they're sitting beautifully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They get to just enjoy yeah. still winning and knowing they have the first overall pick on the lock yeah. at this point. And even their mid-pick that they have, you know, that's a solid receiver, corner, line. someone that you can develop. It's not going to be an instant top five potential all-pro guy, but you do have all-pro potential at that point in the draft. Yeah. So, I Diggs mean... Diggs and Jefferson. Or no, Diggs was Diggs late. Was like Diggs was fifth way round. Late. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jefferson was mid round. You know, you can get anyone. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's you know, the top five picks in the draft. You probably have a little higher expectations on. Yeah. Them. But obviously, 
you draft the guy at 17, you better not be a bust. You know, you're 17th overall in the draft, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm just saying like, you know, the guy they draft in the first overall, you know, he's got to be instant impact. And the other guy, you know, they're definitely hoping that, but the other dude better start off as an all pro kind of like CJ Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. are doing for the Texans right away. Oh, yeah. Um, then the NFC South, we have a three-way tie between the Bucks, Falcons, and uh, Saints. The Bucks and Saints won this last week, six and seven, and the Falcons lost six and seven. Carolina lost one and twelve. They, uh, I mean, frankly, since they've been eliminated, they can't make the Super Bowl. Um, but what the hell? They're not even trying to make it interesting. Like you, you can't at least pile up a second win. How are you going to make the Super Bowl if you can't win two games? Come on, Thielen. Uh, but, uh, I thought that this was going to be, um, a seven or an eight and nine division. The winner, I picked the saints to win at eight and nine. Now everyone's six and seven, eight and nine is the winning record in the division. Seems very accurate. Yeah. Very accurate. I thought, you know, people are probably going to question me a little losing record in this division to take it. Someone's got to have a winning record, but, um, but, yeah, who the hell is it going to be? I've been just saying because New Orleans this whole season, but Tampa was surging at the beginning, fell the hell off, and now they're surging up again. Atlanta, they're just up and down, up and down, up and down. I, this division is weird. It is extremely weird. Um, I feel like the Bucks probably have the best chance to make it. Like, Baker Mayfield is hungry for another playoff appearance, even. Like, I'm sure at this point he'll, he'll take appearance, let alone a win, which... I feel like the 49ers could go up against the wildcard team and uh, take them on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to take on, maybe not Philly exactly, but, you know, which is Philly or Dallas, which is actually who they're lined up to play against. So maybe they're not getting that W now that I'm really looking at the playoff picture. Yeah, I don't think they're going to. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure if, if Detroit locks it up, I think they're the only well, them and whoever in the NFC South, they're the only two that have a potential to lose at home. Um, well, obviously the first seed won't play, but um, the other team like uh, Dallas or Philly, whoever wins that division, if they're not in, or San Francisco, that team that plays, I do not see them losing the first week, whoever yeah. they have to play against. <laughs> um, so that'll be a little interesting. Um, I'm just picking New Orleans still because I think... That's who I picked. I like Kamara a lot, but I hate the Saints, and I would be very pleased if they don't make it because I just don't like them. Yeah. Um, if I'm straight up rooting for someone, it's the Bucks. So I, you know, I think you're right. Uh, Mike Evans is having a great year, and I think he's hungry. I think you're right about Mayfield. They, you know, ha this is still a foundational roster that Tom Brady played with, with championship aspirations. They have a good defense. Maybe they're not playing as well this year, but they still have the foundational players and. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you put them in the playoffs, they're going to have the most success out of anyone in this division. If Atlanta makes it, they're going to get steamrolled. Oh, yeah. And they steamrolled past the Saints the other week, you know. They made them look like crap. So I feel like if you want your best product, you're probably going to want the Bucks to win. But I, I just feel like Atlanta probably has the least chance of making it. I just, with their coaching, I, that's what holds them back the most. And Ritter. I mean, there's yeah. just so many things you can't like about that team. Right. Um. 
But yeah, and then uh, NFC West, uh, San Francisco has a firm lead at 10 and three. The Rams and Seahawks are both at six and seven, and the Cardinals are at three and ten. San Francisco won. The Rams and Seahawks lost, and Arizona had a bye week. They're still in the hunt with Kyler Murray. Um, they won't be making it though. I would bet any amount of money on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Seattle falling off though. I just that's you know with Geno Smith's injury, it's. Um, Maybe a little more plausible, but uh, and then Kenneth Walker, I know he got hurt. I just thought they would be a little more competitive. And just a few weeks ago, they have the lead over the 49ers in their division. And now, you know, they're three games back. Even the Rams have taken over them. Um, and the Rams have been pretty exciting lately with Cup, uh, Nakua, and Stafford's been stepping up. So I would really like to see them potentially be that seventh seed. Um, because I feel like the Vikings are going to make it, and then Dallas, Philly, who have, they're going to get the fifth seed and the first or second seed. That's pretty much a lock. And I feel like the Vikings will get the sixth seed. Um, so I'm just thinking that seventh seed. I mean, Green Bay, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Falcons are all fighting for it right now. I'd like to see the Rams have it personally. Uh, maybe an NFC South team would be okay, but I, I feel like the Packers are going to be a boring team in the playoffs. The Seahawks, the way they're playing, are going to be boring. And I don't want to see Atlanta I just don't want to see Atlanta not saying we're going to be exciting but out of this crop of teams I actually think we might deserve the spot based on those teams right um but yeah we're gonna get our butts kicked in the for Wild sure I feel like yeah. if we do play the Lions though we'll have to see how our teams to our, our two uh games against them go but I'd say we have the best chance against the Lions in comparison to playing against the Cowboys, Eagles, or Niners. Oh, for sure. Um, the Eagles and Niners and Cowboys, they were probably all beatable with Cousins, but I think with Cousins out of the picture, it's a lot more difficult. The only thing I would say is if uh, the Eagles keep regressing, but if they keep regressing, then, you know, two weeks from now, they're not even in this conversation as in the same way. We're not talking about them right. as potential number two at that point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, and, you know, there's only a... Uh, there's only a few games left now, four games left. So if the picture is going to get tighter and tighter as we go up in here, I believe the 49ers actually clinched a spot too. They're the only team that's clinched a spot thus far. I believe I read that the other day. So yeah. um, they've already got one locked down. No surprise there. I think most people probably assume they would be making the playoffs this year. Um, but that's it for the uh, divisional standings. I would just like to pick my... Uh, Team to win this week with the Vikings. I picked the Raiders last week because I did not trust Dobbs. I said, it's probably going to be a nail-biter, but I don't think we're going to win because I don't like Dobbs. And I think I was 100% right if we had left Dobbs in that. I think we would have lost. But we moved off him and we won. So um, I was right on the nail-biter. But knowing we won't have Dobbs starting, I will pick the Vikings, actually. I think we actually will beat the Cincinnati Bengals. But again... I think it'll be a nail-biter. I don't think it's going to be a 3-0 nail-biter, but I think it's going to be more like in the, I don't know, low 20s, maybe high teens scoring. I'm thinking high teens for this, too. I yeah. did pick the Vikings to win just due to the fact that, uh, like, the fact that I feel like Brian Flores is going to take advantage of the inexperienced quarterback yeah. and throw a, like. We've been blitzing at, like, 60% all season. We're going to blitz at, like, 80% against the Bengals just to keep him off his game and unable to get his footing. And that's why I think we're going to be good against the Lions, too, because of Flores. You know, 
because uh, Goff doesn't do that well under pressure, extreme pressure. And Flores, you don't know what the hell he's doing, man. He's even stopped blitzing some of these games. Like, so you can't even fully think, yeah, he's going to blitz me. Like, you know, it's it has to be one of the most difficult assignments as a quarterback. You're right. You know, the inexperience is going to get him. Uh, <laughs> the mind games are going to get him. <laughs> yeah, man, I hope the Vikings throw a bag at Flores to keep him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm... I really feel like no one's going to pick him as a head coach. I mean, the um, legal issues aside and feelings and all that, I just feel like generally, like, like I think that the Texans, D'Amico Ryan, their uh, head coach, he was the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Or not Niners, the, uh, he was a defensive coordinator though, wasn't he? Because I know, I know Sala was, that's on the Jets, he was the 49ers defensive coordinator. Yeah. So I think the Texans guy was, but I can't remember. But if he is great, that's two. But if not, it's just the one. Most defensive people do not get hired for the role. 90% of the time they get interviewed and they get into the final prop, but they do not go with them. And I'll tell you why. The biggest concern is that you hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach. I mean, he's not a defensive coordinator anymore, but, you know, your defensive-minded guy is your head coach. Bring in successful offensive guys, your offensive coordinator. Most teams want an offensive guy. That guy's gone out the door every single year. We watched that in Minnesota with oh, Kirk yeah. Cousins. Every single year we had success. Offense coordinator's gone. He's a head coach somewhere else. That's just what happens. Everyone wants that offensive guy to lead their team. So I feel like we have an advantage with our offensive guy as a head coach and Flores is a defensive guy. I feel like most teams are going to say, we want you as our defensive coordinator, if anything. I've heard you know some fans suggest, hey, we should offer him the assistant head coach role or something. It's just a name and then... You know, like you said, throw the bag at him, and yeah. that's what we should do. Yeah, and actually, he wouldn't be able to move down to a defensive coordinator role at that point. Well, actually, uh, lateral like, technically. If it was assistant head coach to defensive coordinator, well, he's not a he's not an assistant. Yeah, head coach no, right, right now, now it's lateral. Yeah. but we need to make it where it's not yeah. lateral. Yeah. So then that way he can't fucking <laughs> yeah. leave. Yeah. So I mean, for sure, that's what I, I would just make him an assistant head coach, and because I feel like he has a good relationship with O'Connell and. I don't even know if Flores would necessarily... Maybe he probably does want the head coach job, but he did have success in Miami and got the can, and there were issues, and maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe yeah. if they offered him the same amount of money and like he has a good culture here and has a friend with him and a, owners that were willing to hire him and a good environment where he's loved and he's getting paid the same with less responsibility, unless you have an ego issue or something, I mean, hey... And, I mean, <laughs> he is basically the head coach of the defense. Yeah. Essentially. Like, uh, Kevin O'Connell has said it multiple times in interviews. Like, he just kind of lets Brian Flores do his thing. Like, he lets B-Flow be B-Flow. Yeah, and that's, you know, what a good head coach does. And I love the combo. I think we have a good offensive coordinator who has maybe a little too much patience as his problem because he should have pulled Dobbs a long time ago. But um, the the... Just the respect that I see with other coaches and players with him, I really like him, and I, I just really hope Flores can stay because, I mean, you know, just A, it's been a great defense and fun to watch, but B, what we watched last year in seeing this, it's, I I, I just, it's tough to describe. Good doesn't describe it. Yeah. Great doesn't describe it. I, I don't know. It's like... And it's mostly the same players. We were thinking we were going to get worse on defense on paper because we let so many veterans go. I mean, to me, I thought, like, 
you can't get much worse though like you literally can't that is true too so i mean i don't know like yeah i felt that though you let go of kendricks who's like a long steady veteran but yeah it's uh it's been an interesting season for sure but we would not be here right now if it weren't for flores that's for sure so losing him would just be that would be the biggest heartbreaker of the offseason and i feel like if he leaves that could be a catapult for players to like Metellus in a couple years. He might want to go play with Flores after his success. Oh yeah. Daniel Hunter. He might want to follow him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like directly. Yeah. So I would want to keep, because seriously, if we bring Flores back, that could be an incentive chip with Hunter too. Hunter might be, well, yeah, you know what? I actually really do want to play here again. I love playing for Flores, you know, yeah. and why Stats wouldn't he? Insane. Yeah. He's defensive player of the year candidate right now. He's definitely up there. Maybe not the top player, but he's like top five or 10 in that running oh, for, for sure right now. So yeah, I would for sure want to. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll sneak out the win this week and, um, I think that's that'll be a positive to think on. Um, and that's all I got to say. Anything else you wanted to say there, Andrew? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, covered everything. All right. Well, that's perfect. I really enjoyed this episode. It was good to talk um, some Viking stuff. Uh, I'm surprised we had this much to talk about after a 3-0 win. But, you know, <laughs> great stuff. Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll have you back next week, Andrew. Um, and uh, that's it for this week. We'll uh, be back next week once the Vikings take on the Bengals. Uh, and that's it for Ope Sports with Jordan Adams. Jordan Adams signing off. Play shows from five. Hey, can I get a ticket to 300 strong like the Battle of Thermopylae? Ain't no stopping me on my way up the mountain. A lot of anger in my life, a days I spent counting. Venturing up and found a penny fountain. Industry 